Hello and welcome again to Voices in Innovation from GigaOM. I am your host, Johnny Baltusberger, and today I am joined by Jason Collier, uh, who is fairly new to us. Uh, he's new to the show, first time here, and uh, I got the opportunity to actually have lunch with you uh, not too long ago because for the first time in my time, there's someone who lives in the same city as me in my company. It's very exciting. Yeah, it is. How are you very doing exciting, today, Jason? Exciting times, huh? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, um, the, uh, it was a good lunch, too. That was a great place. Um, yeah, no. So it's it's good to be here in Austin. I've been I've kind of bounced uh, over quite a few different uh, uh, places throughout my career. I spent about twenty years out in Silicon Valley and moved here into Austin about four years ago, and and absolutely love it here in Austin. It's it's a great city, and uh, you know it's funny because I, I mentioned oh man, someone finally lives in the air same area as I do. But we're in the middle of a pandemic, so I don't actually get to interact with you. Like, I know. I, I can't know. actually say like, hey, let's go hit the pool hall and and have a beer. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully next year. Hopefully 2021. Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, like like grabbing a beer at the pool hall kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Uh, 20, that's my that's the biggest goal I have for 2021 is be able to play pool. Um the bar is set exceptionally low right now. Right. You can interact with people like not in a 2D manner on a Zoom call, right? It's more <laughs> like you could actually, wow, you're 3D. I didn't know that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy year. Before we get into to the year that we've had, though, uh, I like to introduce newer analysts to the audience, kind of let them know what you're about, where you came from, and and what you're doing now with GigaOM, what brought you to GigaOM? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I kind of started out, um, you know, kind of right after, uh, like right after college. So like the mid nineties doing startups. Um, So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've done three venture backed startups uh, in my career. all the way from, you know, kind of internet advertising to an anti-spam company to the latest company that, that I was a founder of was um, a uh, uh, co- company called Scale Computing. And uh, it was, you know, in the realm of, of hyper-convergence. Uh, so it was a lot of like virtualization and infrastructure technology kind of. Um, and where we're seeing that evolve is into things like, you know, edge compute and uh, edge compute and things like that. And, and kind of that cloud combination of things. So I've, I've been pretty much all over. I've done everything from like build data centers and like, you know, the advertising uh, companies to uh, uh, doing, you know, network administration, Unix administration, starting out doing, doing a lot of that stuff. And then, you know, effectively growing, growing those roles into, to the point where I was like CTO uh, at, uh, at scale. And um, interestingly enough, uh, so, and, the whole kind of history of GigaOM been following uh, GigaOM since since its inception, and um, you know it's interesting the kind of the the ups and downs through through the industry and the various paths that that's taken me and and kind of it's, it's actually parallel a lot with uh, you know what what GigaOM has done and at the last uh, so when I was at scale uh, I was you know as a vendor you know uh, involved with GigaOM kind of from the from the vendor side. And what really brought me to GigaOM was the fact that you're one of my favorite analyst companies to, to work with. Uh, I liked the way that uh, 
GigaOM did research and the fact that, you know, the analysts are actual practitioners, people who build this stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. So when they're talking about it, they're not, you know, they're not full of a bunch of BS. And as, as someone who typically in, the, in the, the organizations that we started had to, you know, rely on vendors buying their products and doing all that stuff, I appreciate the way that, uh, you know, GigaOM always approached that. And also the fact that it's very forward looking. Uh, I love the fact that GigaOM, you know, it's like, what's going to be cool in the next 12 to 18 months, you know, down the down the pipe instead of like what was cool three years ago and i think that's one thing where gigaohm's got a step ahead of a lot of folks because not only do they say kind of where the industry is going but they've got the expertise to say how to get there and so in working with that from a vendor perspective i mean you know it was one of the the things where the folks at gigaohm got it right when we were trying to explain where as a vendor you know like we think this is where the industry is going like and you know the answer was yeah we think this too but have you also thought about this i'm like oh that's a, that's a good one i like that so um i uh scale's still going strong and uh i uh, basically i was there for about 12 years uh you know as one of the one of the co-founders and then um you know it's one of those things where kind of at the beginning of the year pre-pandemic um i i just needed kind of a change, right? I was, there was a few other kind of startup ideas I had, and then also just kind of wanted a better idea and a broader view of what was going on in the market space. And then, you know, Ben, Ben and I started talking and, uh, and then I officially, I think started uh, as an analyst back in September. So that's, that's kind of the, the winding path that, that, that brought me here. I was going to say for any uh, eagle eyed uh, listeners who you know, subscribe to our research, you might recognize scale computing as having sponsored some, uh, some reports in the past, but you know, uh, you mentioned Ben and I, I don't, we don't talk about Ben very much on the show. Ben is our CEO. He is the, uh, the captain at the helm and, uh, he's fairly, fairly new in that role. Uh, this year is, uh, he was our, our, uh, VP or no president of sale. I, you know, titles are, we talked about this before we hit record. Uh, titles are a <laughs> nebulous thing that only occasionally make much sense to me. Uh, but he wasn't, he was essentially leading the charge in sales and now he has moved over to uh, overseeing all of us. And uh, he's done a really remarkable job this year. Um, we've had an amazing year and brought on a lot of amazing new talent Uh which again, you have to do if you are going to be forward facing and looking into the future, you always have to be on the lookout for who is at the forefront of deciphering what's happening. Cause it's not always clear, especially to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, don't sell yourself short there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, when we get into it, you know, you, you mentioned you had a lot of various startup ideas. Uh, and you kind of talked about what you liked about GigaOM. You know, you have to have a lot of, uh, I guess I'll say weight when it comes to uh, investors. You, you know, you can say, look, these are the companies I've successfully launched. Here's, here's how they've gone. Um, it, it helps. <laughs> yeah, it, it helps having a couple of successes under your belt. I, I can say that. Um, yeah, the second company that that we did, um, you know, we took took an A round 
we took an A round from Sequoia Capital and then ended up uh, selling it six months later and like quadrupled their money. So uh, they, they were pleased. Uh, they, they were pleased with the turnaround. Um, they usually like kind of the bigger sticks that are, you know, you know, even, even larger hits than that. But, you know, it, it basically having, having successes under your, under your belt definitely helps and uh, it gets more attention. But honestly, I mean, as long as you got a, you know, startups are really interesting. And, you know, a lot of people assume that, you know, it's the idea, it's the invention, it's this, you know, like, that's the thing that's going to drive investment into an idea. And that's really not it. I mean, venture capital looks at a lot more things than that. It's like one, how well do you understand the market? How well do you understand how to go into that market? What do you, what's the overall market capitalization? What do you think you can get with like that, you know, innovation that you've got? And typically you're going to find that innovation is not necessarily um, like the invention itself. Um, one of my favorite, uh, actually of all things, it was a commercial that came from, um, uh, IBM. I think it was back in the nineties and it was, you know, why do they always say that it's the best thing since sliced bread? Because the person who invented sliced bread didn't invent slicing and they didn't invent bread. They just put two things together in a way that hadn't been done before and that's what created the innovation, right? So the innovation is not always the invention. And I know like the Silicon Valley types get wrapped up in that all the time. Like, look at this thing. This is the coolest piece of technology ever. Great. How is that going to solve somebody's problem, right? And you're going to find that it's usually the combination of multiple of these types of inventions that actually creates the innovation and creates something that is in the end of the day, going to solve a problem. And that's all anybody really cares about is getting problems solved to basically make their business make money. Right. So that's one of those things. And when you go in uh, to venture to raise money, you know, it's not about the invention. It's about how well do you understand that entire innovation curve? What problems are you trying to solve and what's the addressable market that you're trying to hit? So if you go in telling kind of this full story around it, you get a much more receptive response around, um, from, from basically the venture community. Now, when I, the various, so I have also, I'm a, you may not know this about me, but I am also a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I'm just not a very good one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've watched, uh, I've watched several failed and a couple of, uh, small successes over the years. And what I realized very quickly uh, the key question to ask yourself whenever you're thinking, oh, of an idea is what does this solve? What yep. problem am I addressing? And I'll give you an example, not from my own, uh, my own terrible, terrible decisions. Uh, but a while back, I was talking to a, a young startup and the guy's telling me about his idea. And he says, this would be an app on your phone that allows you access to all these different music things and it can help do this Bluetooth stuff. And, and I thought to myself, okay, but Spotify, Pandora, and iTunes exist. And you're not producing anything new. Uh, you're not, I, everything you've said to me already has a thing. Another one is a person who was talking about how it was an app that would uh, schedule your refills for medication. Now that sounds pretty that like, Oh, sure. That's fine. However, every pharmacy I've ever dealt with 
already has a mm-hmm. automated system for doing that. Um, yep. you're, there's no there's no real problem there. It's right. just a toy, essentially. And they've got the customers, right? So th- that's, that's where you kind of find that customer is king. And this is mm-hmm. where going in, um, and then I, I get asked a lot about kind of M&A like things as well. Like, oh, should, you know, should you take this, this company, take this idea, write it all the way to IPO, become a big successful company or anything like that? Or should you basically go into a technology acquisition? And that's something like where if you've got something that's going to improve that process for like, you know, a CVS or, or, or Walgreens or something like that go in, partner with them as a technology partner and do a technology acquisition, do that pre a round. You can probably get a $20 million acquisition out of it. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, there, there are different ways in which to, to kind of a, a approach that, but you gotta, you gotta have definitely kind of like these plans and ideas, but yeah, that customer thing, when you go, go in against like the big folks, you know, like in a company that succeeded really well at that, um, when you look back, you know, kind of rewind it, you know, Amazon, the online bookstore. Now you look at what Amazon has become, you know, you never would have thought they'd be bigger than Walmart or, you know, Walmart Target and all this stuff. And now they're like the single largest retailer on the planet. Now, I remember years ago uh, when Amazon was, you know, I was in, uh, I was finishing up college. I was still a poor college kid and I bought someone in my family, a Hanukkah gift off Amazon and it didn't go through. It, didn't, it fell through. And my dad railed at me. He's talking about, you know, Amazon is a bookstore. You buy books there. You don't buy anything else from Amazon. <laughs> and I think, you know, every time I go to Amazon to buy groceries. <laughs> yeah. Or you just get or, that kind of pops in your head, right? <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can buy apples on Amazon now. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, innovation is great. I'm, we're not saying anything against innovation. But in every business I've been in, whether it's technology, whether it's some terrible decision I've made, or if it's, you know, writing, the question is, what doesn't exist yet that I wish did? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if you want it, chances are someone else does too, is what I've kind of discovered as far as uh, especially writing goes. And that, you know, that's part of where our analysts come in is what, what information am I not able to get? Because if I can't get to it, my customers aren't going to be able to get to it. And we're able to uh, really meet a lot of needs uh, for our clients by anticipating what questions they aren't asking yet. Yep. Yep. That's like I said, and that's one of the things that really attracted me to GigaOM from the get go is kind of that that forward thinking. One of the things I'd mentioned, like so, the edge computing. So one of the areas that that I uh, you know cover from an analyst perspective, you know, with GigaOM is is where kind of edge compute is going. And this is one of the things that um, you know we've been dealing with this in computing since the dawn of computing, right? Since <laughs> since the like the fifties and sixties, uh, where you know everything was centralized with mainframes, you know, and then kind of the client server evolution starts, and now now we're basically talking about you know the cloud computing and then edge, and it's just this big pendulum that keeps swinging back and forth between oh everything's like in a data center, everything's out at the edge, right? And the reality is when you stop winding the clock, that pendulum is like, here it is attached to the clock. You stop winding that clock, where does it stop? 
It's in the middle, right? And the answer going forward is not these pendulum swings of, oh, everything is edge. Oh, everything is cloud. It's going to be in the middle and it's going to be that hybrid the, the the hybrid approach, right? It's going to be that that cloud unity uh, uh, piece. And the thing that actually needs to occur is, um, honestly, it's going to be the way in which you can do application delivery, right? It's going to be like when you build something for the cloud, that same code base sure the hell better work on the edge, right? And uh, when when that actually happens, then you're going to find that there's going to be this like whole hybrid compute thing. When I actually, you know delve down into this one one of the customers that then one of the customers that we had at scale was a larger grocery store retailer when you stop and think about this are they going to go all cloud well half these grocery stores are in the middle of nowhere and the internet connection is the least reliable piece of their infrastructure right and when they got tomatoes to sell you can't only sell tomatoes when the internet connection is working right they have to be able to to function so there's all these pockets and that's just an example of of you know where these um, you know, these technologies are like when in the way I kind of define edge computing is, is a little bit different. You know, people are talking about, oh, it's, you know, if it's less than 40 megawatts in a facility, then it's edge, right? And that's, that's BS. Like anytime you're running a mission critical application outside of the four walls of the data center, in this particular case in retail, it's keeping the point of sale system up so they can sell tomatoes right? That is a mission critical application for them. Uh, but then also tying that back to their central computing piece, that's that's really vital. But when you think about, uh, you know, the sheer amount of computing power, this particular, like, uh, this particular, like, grocery store chain had, um, basically, they're putting in, like, you know, like, three nodes of this compute system, but they're doing it in 7,000 different locations. Now, in their data center, they probably got, like, 300 servers, but when you stop and think about all of what they've got out there in the field, I think it was like something like 27,000 computers that are out there. And what I'm excited to see is how can then you start utilizing that edge compute capacity to solve these real world problems, to solve business problems, right? So that's one of the things that really excites me about edge. There's so much kind of untapped compute potential out there. I mean, it's almost when you think about it, kind of like the old SETI at home stuff where you're using, you know, all your unused compute cycles to find, you know, find aliens out there in the universe. Um, except now taking that and applying that to basically solving business problems. How do they come up with, you know, doing supply chain things? Or can they like integrate like, you know, blockchain supply chain management into, into a retail establishment? There's so many possibilities for it, but there's also a lot that still needs to happen. And that's one of those things where it is in its infancy. And, but it's one of those things where GigaOM realizes it's in its infancy and what companies are out there innovating and pushing the edge, literally, pushing the edge uh, on, uh, on, on how this technology is going to evolve. You know, I, uh, I was speaking to my, uh, my father and uncle yesterday. We had lunch for the holidays, and they were talking about the IRS, specifically how the IRS was not letting people work from home. And no. they were, you know, the, the they're talking about how, you know, well, I work from home and I'm a teacher and I can do this and that. And I, I thought, first of all, I'll say this off the bat. I am a great advocate for remote work. Uh, I have only I have only worked remote uh, in my career and uh, I don't see a lot of good reasons to to change that. 
Now, but in this conversation, you know, I brought up like, well, we don't know what their infrastructure is. We don't know what their network setup is. We don't know what their security is. My guess is that it's uh, far inferior to where I would like <laughs> it to be. But uh, my point was, you know, there's all these aspects that, that go into uh, edge and security and networks. And there's no technology that kind of exists in its own little bubble. Everything is interlocking and has to be considered as a whole. So with that in mind, how do you specialize as an analyst? How do you say, I'm going to focus on edge and, and not get drawn into cloud computing or cloud data storage and uh, every other aspect of technology? Well, the reality is you do. Uh, you do get pulled into it, but from what I found, I think the human brain has a certain amount of capacity to become an expert in any one given given territory. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things. I'm I'm not going to go up against Dave Lenticum when it comes to talking about cloud stuff, right? <laughs> it's like I don't think many people will. And uh, so, you know, there, there's a certain amount of of I think focus that you have to have to become an an uh, kind of a, an expert within any individual specific area, right? Um, however, you know, it branches out and like you said, it touches pretty much everything. You have to know, I mean, you have to have a very good, and honest, like a very high level understanding of how security, how networking, how cloud, how all of these things are actually, you know, impacting what is going on in the specific, your specific area of expertise. So you have to have a very high level of understanding uh, to that. But if you were going to be, you know, an expert in everything, I, I still don't know anybody who is, right? Um the uh, but I think that's when you this is this is the great thing uh, about assembling a great team, right? You get you get uh, basically skill sets that are very complementary to one another, and I, I think that's another thing that that I, I've seen a lot at GigaOM is there are uh, you know if you want anything about data storage technologies, you talk to Enrico, right? You want cloud, you talk to talk to David, right? And then there's just so many so many different like like folks who are are great in there skills of, of the security, the networking, building out that, that team of experts. And like I said, the, the thing I love the most are actually, you know, experts and practitioners, people who are building this stuff in the real world, right? Not, not basically, you know, kind of sitting in an ivory tower saying that, oh, you should do it this way, but, but not actually doing it. Um, I'm not going to mention any other analyst firms, but there, there are, there are some of those that, that, that have that, have that mindset. And the thing that I love is actually people that are building this in the real world are the ones that are, that are actually responsible for that research and responsible for that knowledge. You know, uh, there's a, there's another podcaster, uh, far be it for me to plug anyone else's show. Uh, but the author of the four hour work week, the four hour body, uh, Tim Ferriss, one of his big points is that it takes 10,000 hours of doing something or researching something to become a like world leading expert. Yeah. Um, at this point, I am the world leading expert on resizing, resizing small graphs in reports, which is exciting. <laughs> but uh, 
you know, all joking aside, I used to work in the food industry, right? I used to work in uh, cheese, of all things. And I am not a fromager. I am not a cheese expert. However, through just a few hours of study a week and, you know, staying on top of it, I became probably one of the biggest experts on cheese in Texas, which, look, I know what you're thinking, but no, there are lots of cheese people in Texas. It's <laughs> yes, not all <laughs> barbecue. It's not just barbecue. We also have other nice things. Uh, <laughs> but but my point is, is that you don't have to be David Linthicum to be an expert on cloud compared to most people. True. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of jack of all trades. Yeah. Uh, to, to knowing as much as you can. But there's also a lot to be said about allowing, you know, a David Linthicum or an Enrico Signoretti come to you and take you, allow you to devote more of your mental power, more of your efforts to other things that need your attention and allowing those experts to solve the problems you're having uh because yes, you could learn. You could learn that, but there's someone who already knows it that you can pay yeah, to solve yeah. it much better and much faster than you will. And and you know another fun fun part about you know kind of being an analyst is having those resources. You know, like hey Enrico, what do you think about this tech? Right? You know, it's like bouncing ideas, bouncing ideas off everybody else is, is it's a lot of fun here. Yeah, we do have we do have a lively uh, conversations in the in the chat that I I look through and I read the five paragraphs that uh, Michael Delzer or yeah. <laughs> or Ned Bellavance posts and say I don't know what any of this means. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, has Michael been on? Has Michael been on the podcast yet? Yeah, Michael Michael came on the yeah. show uh, fairly recently. Excellent. Yeah, he's a uh, he's he's top notch. Talk about he a guy is, who's yeah. seen seen it all. Uh, you know, one of the first things I did, I would say maybe two months into working for GigaOM, I messaged Enrico and I said, Hey, Enrico, what is Kubernetes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, I have typed this word so many times. What am I saying? Yeah. Uh, because mm. I, you know, you know, all joking aside, my expertise is publishing and editing. Um, and so when I first came on board with GigaOM, there was a lot I needed to learn. And while at this point I am probably more versed in technology and where technology is going than many of the people that I surround, I surround that surround me on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm still very much a novice in a lot of this. And it's something to keep in mind. That's you're why you're a Giga leading expert on technology when it comes to publishers and editors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like when we get together at our, you know, at our various conventions for publishers, like I, I'm the one that does all the tech stuff. Yeah. Uh, yep. But that's why GigaOM exists. That's why we're here is so that we can do this heavy lifting of research and study and report writing. And you, listener, uh, you know, you can keep your mind focused on business practices, on what's going to grow your enterprise. You can read our report. 
and understand the options you have. And without having to get a master's in technology, you can understand what decisions you need to make. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite analogies that I always used when, um, when you're thinking about uh, technology and, and the, the impact it is for your business for many, many years in IT and specifically in like any type of infrastructure, maintaining the infrastructure, um, what IT did, you know, what the directors of IT, what the CIOs were doing were effectively being the mechanics. They're trying to basically, um, you know, kind of keep the car running, right? And and they, they're trying to basically keep the wheels from falling off, you know, as it's going down the street. And the reality is IT was originally put in place uh, because you were focused on the business objectives, which is driving the car from point A to point B. So anything that, you know, that, that can be done from a technology perspective that gets like, uh, like the, you know, the, the IT team, the, the information teams, the cloud teams focused on driving the car instead of being the mechanic is a good technology that will be adopted. So, and I think there's, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of innovations. I, I, it's one of the things, you know, that I think cloud has helped a lot with. It's one of the things that kind of hyper-converged has helped a lot with too. Um, you know, it's uh, so like I, I used to say uh, all the time when I was at scale was, you know, there are many times in which you can build a virtualized infrastructure, you know, and it's like basically like putting the car together. You can, you can get this big book, you can get an engine, get some wheels, you know, get, get, get the, you know, uh, transmission, bolt it all together and say, hey, look at my infrastructure. And then guess what? You spend all your time doing, keeping the thing running. Or you could just go down to the car dealership and get, you know, like a Toyota Camry and the thing's just going to run, right? And that, that's kind of what Hyperconverge did to, to the way virtualization was being done. And, you know, initially it was such a, you know, a radical change from the way things were being done. But now that's basically every major vendor, that's the main product they're selling. So... <laughs> We, we're coming up on uh, on the end of our show today, but before we do, it is right now, as we record this, it's December 30th, 2020. Uh, when you're listening to this, it, well, you know, you can listen to this whenever you want to, but when this goes live will be December 31st, the very last day of 2020. Jason, in your mind, what is the uh, the biggest technological advance was the biggest news in the tech world that hit in 2020. I would say, so interestingly enough, um, this global pandemic that we're facing being hit with COVID has forced a shift in the way so much of business is being done. People didn't know businesses didn't know if their infrastructure could ever handle, you know, having 100% of their workforce being remote. And they were forced to do that. And in being forced to do that, we have seen innovation that has happened in a faster time and adoption of, of innovations that have happened in a faster, at a faster pace than ever within the history of computing. And, you know, for the last 15 years, I always joked, everybody always said, oh, this is going to be the year of VDI. Well, guess what? 2020, it finally was. <laughs> Didn't have much of a choice. And how was that deployed? Well, very forcefully. <laughs> like, we need to figure this out. We need to figure it out now. And, you know, how's education and remote learning? It's been talked about, you know, for, for a very long time, very little adoption was done to it. And then, oh, man, 
now we're forced to do it. Like, what do we do? And so, but I think out of that, you know, that's kind of, you know, what, I, what I've seen here is like just kind of that scrappy innovator nature, you know, we see it in the, you know, kind of the, the old west of the <laughs> kind of the old west of the uh, uh, of, of the, the computing uh, era, right? Where, you know what, you just got to go out, you figure it out, just stick it together with duct tape and bailing wire and hope for the best. And, you know, overall, though, I, you know, I'm pretty proud about how the world reacted to this, right? It's, uh, there, there have been a lot of things that have been adopted. And, you know, it's, it's been a real struggle for, you know, kind of smaller businesses and, you know, folks that, you know, you kind of need that uh, personal touch to keep their business going, the restaurants and, you know, like musicians and things like that, you know, here in Austin, right? That, that musician community has hit hard. And, uh, but, you know, I, I remember helping out, you know, uh, one of the local musicians uh, figure out live streaming, right? Okay, so this, uh, this is how you do it. This is how, you know, like do this, get Patreon set up, <laughs> go do this and like, you know, play, play to your audience. They're all sitting at home too. So, um, and it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, it forced, it forced a lot of change, but I think, you know, it's uh, through that a lot of a lot of innovation has come out. That said, boy, I can't wait to get back to get away from this new normal stuff and kind of go back to something a little, little more uh, uh, normal. I can't wait for the next uh, actual convention to pop up, but it's going to be interesting. Things are going to be changed. The things are going to be changed forever. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And adapting to that's going to be interesting. But I think, you know, from a technology perspective that, uh, you know, like the way in which this was dealt with from a technology perspective has been, you know, it's had its ups and downs, but I think there's a lot of positives that came out of it. No, I definitely agree. Um, you know, as I said, I'm a huge proponent from working from home and uh, there's never going to be a time where anyone who's now had to work from home will say, oh, no, I have to be in the office. Yeah. And no, no company is going to be able to say, no, you have to be in the office to do this job because right. everyone knows now that's not, not the case. Um, I wouldn't want to be in commercial real estate right now. Oh man. I, <laughs> I did think about that as like of all the, of all the businesses that are going to get hit, uh, a lot of them are getting hit right now with the pandemic, but after the pandemic commercial real estate, boy, how do you are in? Some why do we need that struggle. big tall skyscraper in downtown? Why are we paying for that? <laughs> why? Yeah. I mean, a, a, why would we take on that expense? B will our employees even be willing <laughs> to yeah. do that? Yeah. Um, it's been a crazy year. We've uh, you know, you can go to gigaome.com, look through our blogs, look through some of our reports, some of our webinars, especially we've talked about, the way uh, COVID-19 has affected the technology industry and work. Uh, one report that leaps to mind is Stowe Boyd did a recent report on virtual whiteboards, uh, which is all about collaborative work uh, that you can now do remotely. And it's, it's a really fascinating report. Uh, after reading it, I went and downloaded one of those uh, apps myself and started using it. It's, it's really cool. Jason, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, anytime, anytime, Johnny. It's uh, uh, happy to be here. Always love, uh, love uh, chatting. Love the podcast. Love the podcast format. It's just fun, especially when you're doing, you know, good, fun, conversational stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, podcast got me through a lot of a lot of drudgery in my career, and uh, 
continues to be one of my favorite ways to interact with uh, both audience and uh, my, my compatriots. I think that 2021 is going to be an amazing year, not just for me, but for GigaOM and for us overall. I think it's going to be a really exciting and uh, we're going to see a lot of new innovation. And of course, GigaOM will be there for all of your future facing advice on technology in the IT industry. So Jason, again, thank you so much. Uh, everyone out there, I am Johnny Baldisberger for GigaOM, and this has been Voices in Innovation. Just listen.